Now, can you raise your vibration with food? And the answer is, of course you can. Now, is chicken that you eat, is that living or dead? Dead. Is the shrimp that you eat living or dead? Dead. Is the apple that you eat living or dead? It's living. The pear, the strawberry, the blueberry, the watermelon, the cantaloupe. <laughs> so, what is going to raise your vibration? Living foods or dead foods? Oranges, apples, pears, bananas, watermelon, grapefruits, you name it, those are all alive. How's it going, powerful people? Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Unlimited Power Show. My name is Edward Giles, and it's my pleasure to share another moment with you throughout this holistic experience and introduce you, reintroduce you to my mentor, my teacher, Dr. Joe Xavier Love. How you doing? How are you, Edward? Um, you know, I always like somebody to give an introduction. I always like all the guests, all the unlimited powerful people to share themselves with the audience. So why don't you give us a quick To, to do my own introduction? Yeah, within Within 30 seconds? <laughs> <laughs> um, it's really difficult for me to introduce myself because I do so many things. I have done so many things. But I think this morning I got it worked out. So my, my real name is Love. I'm a doctor of oriental medicine. In fact, I'm the first um, uh, doctor of oriental medicine I'm licensed the first year that I was licensed in the state of Florida. And secondly, I'm the first non-Chinese Qigong master in America, and that's back in 1994. So I've been, that's basically it. But if I was going to introduce myself, it would be Dr. Love, heart-centered healing. And I teach people how to transform through the emotions, through stillness, through movement, through food, and through spiritual elevation. So guide us through how you teach people and how they receive that teaching and how they apply it within their lives. Okay, those are excellent questions that cannot possibly be answered. And here's the reason why. Some people are auditory. They get their message from the ears. Some people are visual, they gotta see. And other people are kinesthetic. So I teach according to the person that's in front of me, okay? Some people come with knowledge, so their cup is full. So in order for me to teach them, I have to find out what they know. So I end up asking them questions, and from their answers, I can then add on and give them the, the, the links to make sense. Other people come completely blank. They have no information. So those people, I have to take them to kindergarten. Mm -hmm. All right? Other people, they can only see. And, and, if, and if, you're, if, they're not with, if they're not standing next to you or behind you, they can't get it. It's really difficult. So how do I teach people? however they can receive it. That's how I teach people. And then you ask me, what are the benefits of, of my teaching? The benefit is to change your life, is to upgrade your life, okay? 
So I've met many people who were very proud of themselves for their accomplishments. And then I look at them and I say, and next year, what do you want to do different? And they're like, oh, yeah. I said, yeah, every year you got to upgrade. No matter how good you think you are right now, you have to upgrade. I've been doing this work for 40 years, Ed, and every year I keep upgrading. I don't ever rest and say, oh, well, I know, I know all this. I'm good to go. No, I keep upgrading because the more I know, the more I realize I don't know nothing. <laughs> so I have to, uh, every day I start at zero and push it to 100. And next day I start at zero and I push it to 100. So the benefit is what you want, what your focus, what your intention, and what your will is committing you to be dedicated to. That's the benefit. If you don't meet me with will, focus, and dedication, I can't help you at all. You know, when you okay. say upgrade, mm -hmm. I thought about a computer and our body, the hardware, our mind, the software, and it, our internal that's organs. That's exactly the image with, I wanted you to get. That, with that question, mm -hmm. we upgrade sociologically, financially. How do we upgrade ourselves emotionally? I'm so glad you asked me that question. I made an equation. Any of you math geeks out there? EOS equals CHP plus APP. So your chip is your childhood program. Your app is your attitude, your perspective, and your perceptions. So your chip plus your app equals your emotional operating system. Now, your operating system is your subconscious because your conscious mind is brilliant and creative and artistic and musical and wonderful and loving. But then, after an hour or two or three, whoop, you fall back asleep and your subconscious hijacks you. And then you're back to smoking, drinking, gambling, interneting, Facebooking. Instagram, and, you, and you're like hijacked into some distractive thing instead of being your wonderful, creating, loving self. So there's this constant battle between the conscious mind and the subconscious. Okay? So your question was, how do we develop mental wellness? How do, how do we look at our emotional operating system? How can we transform our emotional operating system? That's your question. Exactly. Okay. So the answer is you first have to recognize what your emotional operating system is. Am I run by anger, fear, and worry? Am I run by ignorance and delusion and misinformation? Am I led by abandonment, rejection, and betrayal? Am I led by craving power, possessions, and perversion. So there's all these different permutations of our subconscious emotional states. And you have to pick and choose the ones that you are willing to work on. And when you can write down, well, I had an abandonment issue. Oh yeah, well, I'm avoiding stuff. Oh yeah, I'm addicted to coffee and sugar and donuts and wh whatever you're willing to work on then 
I teach you a Tibetan dream programming to reprogram your subconscious. How do we identify or reverse engineer our actions that are not giving us the resource that we want to find out the subconscious links to our actions? Because how do we get that vulnerability of ourselves enough to be able to, to see into those past programmings? Because not everyone, even consciously, which in your own conscious mind, you may not even be aware of what you're thinking or doing. Mm -hmm. That is correct. So how can you possibly even know what's going on subconsciously if okay. you have not even been aware so the, of So there's three areas that you need to look at. One is called self-destructive behaviors. So we all know when we self-sabotage. And so you have to get in the habit of journaling. So you have to have a little booklet and a pen by the side of the bed, in the bathroom, in the kitchen table, wherever your comfy chair is. And whenever that boop, you write it down, okay? And so you write down, boy, I sabotaged my, I said the, I did the, I forgot the whatever. So you keep a journal. The second area is called self-limiting visions. Oh, you can't do that. Oh, you won't be successful at that. Oh, my mother tried that. That doesn't work. And so you adopt the negative programming of all your family and friends. And then that becomes self-limiting. Okay. Oh, you can't write a book. What do you know about writing books? Oh, you can't write a movie script. You don't know anything about writing scripts. Well, I could learn. You could encourage me. Oh, you won't be successful at that. You better get a job with the post office. And that's what well-meaning family and friends do. They, they help you co-create a limited vision. The third area is automatic negative thoughts. Now, that's not from family and friends. That's what you yourself create. Oh, I can't. It won't work. So we have the automatic negative thought, we have the self-limiting vision, then we have self-destructive behaviors. And in journaling, you can write that down. Now, what I encourage people to do is create a mastermind group. Two, three, four, five friends get together and you say, hey, I got a problem with this and I need help this way. Oh, I got a problem. This is how I could use help. This is how I, and therefore we meet every day, or we, at least we talk on the phone every day and say, Ed, did you get the movie script done? Uh, Fred, did you get the garden planted? Uh, Sally, did you write your book yet? And so that constant reinforcement lifts you up. And that's how you get to understanding what your subconscious program is. Just building, I really like the last part, the community. The 12-step program, which is a famous program to help people get out of, you know, addictive uh, behaviors. Mm -hmm. One of them is self-image, uh, one a pillar of it. Another pillar of it is having that faith. But the um, most important pillar is the community support. And one thing that I found is that when I started hanging around with you and the people I met and the things we talked about was all around the entire holistic healing, and it empowered me to keep thinking about that. So that kind of, oh, I really need to take this seriously. Mm -hmm. So I really like the idea of building that community or at least finding a community around that. Okay, so in order to create that community, all you need to do is find one health-conscious friend and then start communicating with him or her 
and say, have you read this book on water? Have you read this book on sprouts? Have you read this book? And then start sharing information. And then that person will bring in another friend. And then you start sharing and then you start meeting and you start talking and you start sending each other YouTube videos. And that's how you raise the consciousness and create a community. So you've got your five, she's got her five, he's got his five, and then Dr. Love comes along and links all five groups. And now we got a community of 25 people who are all conscious and aware and elevated. And that's how we build that community. So you, you, you've done the self-analysis for yourself. You've surrounded yourself with like-minded people. What's mm -hmm. next? Okay, so what's next is what we call the Egyptian sleep healing. And that's where we anchor the new behavior in theta. So waking state is beta. Then alpha is the dream state while you're falling asleep. Then theta is the healing genius state. And then delta is the deep sleep. And then you go back into theta. And then you go back into alpha. And then you wake up briefly. And then you fall back asleep. Then you wake up briefly, and then you fall back asleep. So you do that four to six times a night. Now, we have affirmations that we write in a circle. So when you read the affirmation, you have to turn it in a circle. We put the affirmation on top of a magnet. We get a glass of water and put it on top of the affirmation. So now the affirmation through the magnet is magnetized into the water. Now, we chant or we tone, or we sing for about 10 minutes. That creates a very positive internal vibration, and that's also going into the water. You drink the water, you fill the water up a glass again, and then put it down, and then you do a breathing meditation, which I pre-recorded on an audio tape, and then you fall asleep. And then when you wake up, you pick up your affirmation, you read it, take a sip of water, fall back asleep. And every time you wake up, you take a sip of water, reread the affirmation, and then fall back asleep. Finally, when you wake up, then you do your journaling. Okay? Now, you do that every day for 90 days, you're just going to keep getting higher and higher and higher. Because as you achieve one goal, you're going to set another goal. And if you achieve that one, you're going to set another one. So you're just going to keep going up and up and up. The question I want to ask you, for the people watching is, what does the water do? Okay, so your body is 71% water, all right? Now, your brain is water. Blood is water. The, the fluid in your spine, cerebral spinal fluid, is water. So if we don't hydrate ourselves, then nothing works. But the vibration of the affirmation goes into the water. So there's a book called uh, Masaro, uh, by Masaro Emoto called Messages in Water. And in this book, he explains that you can program water with positive messages. And that's the technique we use with the Egyptian sleep healing. As we spoke about vi vibrations mm. and frequencies, right? how do we raise our vibration, our aura, our frequency? Okay, that's a lot easier than you think it is, okay? You ever have a fish tank and with a goldfish in it, and the goldfish is sick, and it's like, <laughs> and it kind of like falls down to the bottom, 
and then the fish dies and you get a new one and the new goldfish is like swimming around. How do you go from death to life? Movement. So dancing, spinning, spiraling, jumping, climbing, running, biking, skating, skiing, anything that moves, pumps the blood to the heart, that raises your vibration. You can't read a book and raise your vibration. You can have a very intellectually stimulating conversation, but as soon as the conversation is over, but you start running, start with 20 minutes a day, and then after three months, go to 30 minutes and then 40 minutes. Eventually, you'll be running an hour a day, and you'll be like, this is nothing. And people say, wow, your vibration is so high. What have you been doing? I've been running. That's all? Just running? Yes, running will raise your vibration. Hmm. Dancing, skiing, uh, climbing, any of those things will raise your vibration. What else? Aha. Now, what is the opposite of movement? Is stillness. So, there's sitting meditation, there's standing meditation, there's moving meditation, okay? So there's eight types of meditation that I teach, and one of those is gonna be attractive to you because that's the one you're gonna be consistently doing, okay? So consistency is the key. So there's movement, and then there's stillness. So we have eight meditations and we have eight breathing exercises. And then we have 10 dances. The first five are emotional release dances. So we release anger, we release fear, we release worry, we release sadness, and we relieve, uh, release grief. Sorrow, sadness, and grief. So those are five dances that I teach and so they're done with music, and everybody loves them, okay? Yeah, I love them. And then, then there's, there's one where we call uh, Bear Comb Silk, and then we have one called Steel Buddha Belly, and then we have one called the Earth Circle, and then we have another one called Swing Arms, and then the last one, you got to come to class to learn that one. <laughs> so two ways to raise our vibration move and don't move right I like that how about the food oh now can you raise your vibration with food and the answer is of course you can now is chicken that you eat is that living or dead dead is the shrimp that you eat living or dead dead is the apple that you eat living or dead living the pear the strawberry the blueberry the watermelon the cantaloupe <laughs> so what is going to raise your vibration living foods or dead foods <laughs> living, i mean living food. oh living okay i just needed to hear you say that all right so the issue is if living foods raise your vibration which is kind of a no-brainer if you think about it for 30 seconds why aren't we eating more living foods? Why aren't people eating more living foods? Programs. Programming, subconscious programming. Right? Yeah, it is. So, oranges, apples, pears, bananas, watermelon, grapefruits, oranges, 
you name it, those are all alive. Okay? Lettuce leaves, celery leaves, uh, butter lettuce, romaine lettuce, sprouts, they're all living. Of course that raised your vibration. Okay? Roasted salted nuts. Dead. So roasted salted nuts are dead. They're dead. Raw cashews are alive. Because you anything that's raw, you can sprout it. If it can sprout, it's alive. Mm. If it doesn't sprout, it's dead. Okay? I can take mung bean sprouts and in I can take mung beans, dried hard beans, soak them in water for 24 hours, and then boop, they got little tails. So anything you could detach from the source that can become a source is alive. You said it. I already listened to Sad Guru, and one thing he said that, that was really cool, he said, when you eat the food, you become the food. So if you're eating dead foods, are you becoming dead? Or are you dying? You are. You're, why would you eat a cemetery? <laughs> your stomach is a, If you're eating dead animals, your stomach is a cemetery. You know? So you're the, uh, what's the guy who, what do you call the person who burns when you pass away? It's called the. The, the pyre. The pyre? Right. So we got to eat living foods. Living foods, yeah. So when I think about living aliveness, mm -hmm. a sense of enthusiasm, which I can use more enthusiasm right now. Right. How do we make that transition from living a drowsy life, going through Monday, Sunday, oh Lord, another day, to I get an opportunity to live again? How do we uplift ourselves, okay. our spirits and our souls? So I, I have a friend, she, unfortunately she's passed, but she said to me, Program your fun first. So every time she called me, she said, how are you doing? Oh, I got to do this, and I got to do this, and I got to do this. And she said, you sound really boring, Dr. Love. All I every time I tell you, like, you got to do, got to do, got to do, when do you ever get a chance to be? I was like, oh, yeah, right, be. She says, what's the most fun you have? I said, well, when I go to the beach to do Qigong. And she said, when do you do that? I said, three times a week. She said, you think you could go every day? I was like, oh, really? Every day? She said, you think you could go twice a day? I said, oh, no, I can't do that. I have things to do. And she's like, come on, Dr. Love. You could go to the beach twice a week. And then so immediately I went into my negative mindset about why I couldn't. And I gave every excuse. And she said, I'm not listening to you. You program your fun first, every day, twice a day, and I guarantee you'll be more productive in the, you think you have less hours. And she was right. And from that point forward, that was in 2004 when she told me that. And from that point forward, I started programming my fun first. What is fun? Ah, whatever brings you joy. What is joy? Ooh, whatever lightens your heart. This is an interesting statement that you said, that if you're not physically well, you're mentally ill. Okay. Explain that. All right, so 
Most of you should have heard of David Satcher, who was the first black Surgeon General of the United States and simultaneous Secretary of Health, Education, and Welfare, Health and Human Services. So he held two cabinet posts simultaneously for eight years in the Clinton era. Very significant. David Satcher had testicular cancer. He was an avid bicyclist, and he got testicular cancer from overriding his bicycle. He treated his cancer by himself without chemo or radiation. And he's the Surgeon General of the United States, which means he's a badass doctor. So he healed himself. So he was speaking at the NAACP in Miami, and he stood up. He was the featured speaker at this particular event. And he said, so somebody asked him, what's the proudest moment you had as Surgeon General. And he said, my last year as Surgeon General, I commissioned a white paper on mental health. And he said, and we determined that 50% of Americans suffer from anxiety and depression. And that exercise is equally effective as drugs for the treatment of anxiety and depression. So why would you not choose exercise first? And dead silence. And he said, the second thing I'm proud of is creating a white paper on mental wellness. Not mental illness, mental wellness. And he said, the definition of mental wellness is the ability to take care of your physical health. And if you do not take care of your physical health, you are mentally ill. Dead silence. He looks around the room. He said, I don't think you heard me. I'm going to ask the question again. And I busted out laughing. I couldn't help it. I was sitting in the back of the room. Because there were people there in walkers and wheelchairs and oxygen tanks. And, you know, if you are unable to take care of your physical health. Unwilling, unable, you are mentally ill. Now, the first instinct is self-preservation, right? Yeah. You want to take care of yourself. Okay. So, fact. Mexico, 2015, there was a strike of hospital workers in this town in Mexico. Full moon was coming up. Every month, full moon, there's a bunch of bar fights and street fights and domestic abuse. So the newspapers put out, hospital workers on strike, don't go to the hospital this weekend. The police reported, no bar fights, no domestic disputes. None. Zero. Why? Because they knew there was nobody there to take care of them. So they decided to take care of themselves. So, if you get sick, if something happens to your knee or whatever, you run to the hospital, right? Mm -hmm. uh, you, you're choking and coughing from smoking cigarettes or drinking too much whatever, soda. You run to the, to the doctor or the hospital. You don't look for ways to take care of yourself. 
that's mental illness. And I'm sorry if that offends you in any way, shape, or form, but that is the reality. You have to look for your own health. Your health is not a birthright. It's no guarantee. Historically, 50% of all children die before they're five years old. How do you think that affects their parents emotionally? If 50%, and that's all across the board, Europe, India, Africa, Asia. Until the last 150 years, the infant mortality rate was 50%. They didn't make it to five. So you put all your time and energy and love into a kid and then he dies? That like rips your heart out. So therefore you're very uh, uh, cautious and solicitous of your child's health. And when the child sees you taking care of yourself, then the child learns, I got to take care of my health. But when you grow up in a culture where, just go to the doctor. Oh, my finger. Oh, go to the doctor. Don't try to treat it yourself. Just go to the doctor. So if everybody's doctor-oriented, pill-oriented, drug-oriented, then there's no responsibility for self, mm -hmm. for healthcare. And that's why I exist. That's my reason, is to teach you how to stop abdicating your power. Abdicating means giving your power away. Stop giving your power away and choose to be healthy. Be well. I want you to be well. Learn how to eat right. Learn how to breathe. Learn how to meditate. Learn the best exercise for your body and emotional balance. That's the five transformations, and that's what I want for you. But Dr. Love, someone might say, I can't even get myself to wake up. I'm, I'm depressed. I'm sad. I'm mentally down. What okay, do do that's when I use my reverse psychology. And I say, I'm going to come to your house with an insurance policy for a million dollars that if you die, I get a million dollars. Do you get the reverse psychology? Because that means I'm going to benefit if you die. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, I think I want to live now. It, it works. It works. It works. For, for some cases. For the, for the cases that I happen to I mean, choose, I might want you to have works. a million dollars. If I want to die, I might want you to have a million dollars. Yeah. Yeah, you're not calling me. If you, but, if you really want to die, you're not, I'm not the one you call. But, okay, you're anxious. You're, you want to live. That's why you called me. Mm -hmm. I, and that's what I'm saying. I, I do want to live. What I'm asking you, the question that I'm asking you, is that you want it is what it is the actual thing for good for your mental health is taking care of your physical health. Right. But if you're mentally de deprived of your power in your mind to take charge of yourself and of your life, how can you possibly take care of your physical health? So what do we do then to to be mentally well so that we could follow okay. our physical So I'm gonna health? I'm gonna tell you a short story. When I lived in New York, I had a bum that I took care of. I every Friday I gave this bum $10. Uh, a homeless person mm -hmm. who lived behind the dumpster, who okay. didn't have a place to live, who didn't have shoes, didn't have a coat. And so I personally supported this homeless person and I gave him money for shoes. I didn't give him money for shoes. I got him shoes. I found out what size he was. I went and got him shoes. I got him a coat. And I, I supported this guy for a couple of years. 
This guy never got sick. He never said, oh, I need a treatment. My shoulder, my back, I got a cough. He never got sick. I'm like, how does this dude never get sick? I, I don't get that. And there's other people who live in high-rise mansions with servants and every, and every week they're sick. So he was not mentally ill. He made a choice to live on the street. That's a choice. Because he could have said, oh, put me in a shelter. Oh, get me a job. Oh, you know. He could have gone up the ladder if he wanted to. The, the options were there. He chose. His choice to live on the street. He's in control. He never got sick. I moved to Florida. Again, there's a homeless person living behind the dumpster. So I hire him to paint my office. He puts out my trash. He mops the floor. I basically employ this bum. I invite him over to my house for Thanksgiving. I, I take care of this guy. He never once said, you know, can I get a massage? He never once said, oh yeah, my neck hurts or, or my, my hand is swollen. Never once. And I said, when I go on vacation, what do you do? He said, oh, I go live behind another dumpster. He said, I, I do uh, two six-packs a day. He's got a really low tolerance of alcohol. And so he panhandles to get money to get his two six-packs. And he does, if you don't give him food, he will not eat. He'll just drink. But he never got sick. So you tell me who's in control. You know, what, what's the motivating factor if you have rent and, and house and, and car and food in the fridge and you're depressed? Go for a run, go swimming, go dancing, find a girlfriend, talk to somebody on the phone, uh, go to a party, go walk on the beach at sunrise. There's so many ways you can shift the energy when you're feeling down. Come to the beach at 7 a.m. and do Qigong with Dr. Love. That'll shift your mood. All right? In fact, you've done that once or twice. Yeah, multiple times. No, multiple I, times. I teach it, too. And you teach my Qigong. I'm so proud of you for doing that. That really makes me feel good. That's good. So I have a bunch of students who are now uh, venturing out to teach. I'm really, really happy about that. Okay. I mean, the way I see the world is nothing is for anybody. Everything is for, for the world. Right. Yeah, everything is for everybody. Everything's for everybody. Even ideas. Even ideas. One of my friends was telling me, he was sharing an idea, and I was like, I like that idea. I'm going to mold it and turn it into something else, and I'll use it. He was like, make sure you give me credit. It's my idea. It's my idea. I was like, uh, you just reminded me of an idea. I already, already know. I just right, exactly. arranged your idea and delivered it. That's what I see. Sometimes we're a superconductor of energy. We're a vessel. That is correct. And information, energies is just flowing through. The question is, do you hold that energy back or do you give it out? I always say that one to people who, who may be feeling down. Why don't you do something good for someone else? That'll bring you up. That'll bring something. Because you, you feel like your energy level is being risen because you're actually stepping outside yourself, going to help somebody else out. And that feeling in itself is a priceless feeling. Mm -hmm. And also just maybe looking at someone less fortunate than you. Like you said, the story of the homeless person and the fact that although his life may not 
So you, you might see someone on the street and they don't have a house, they don't have a home, they don't have somewhere to be, but they're just enjoying. Maybe they don't drink six packs a day. Or maybe they do, but they're enjoying their lives with nothing. They with feel them. like they're in control. They feel like they're in control. Right. And I think that is the single most important uh, uh, focus of health, is to feel like you're in control of your life. So if I was paying you $200,000, but... If I call you at 4 a.m., you have to answer, yes, sir. If I say, get to my house at 5.30 a.m., you got to be at my house at 5.29, all right? If I literally own you for that $200,000, you are going to be like, you know what? I don't know if, if this job is worth all that. Mm -hmm. That's why people quit their jobs, because they don't feel fulfilled. But other people who have kids and, and dependents, then they feel like, I can't quit my job. I have to keep going. And those are the people that get beat down all the time. Those are the people who gain weight because the stress level triggers cortisol pr production, which then creates the belly fat. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, cortisol is one of those things that you need, but you don't want to need too much of it. When we talk about the energy or the, I would say, the emotional juices or the, the juices of our brain. Mm. Now you want to get technical. Go ahead. Let's talk about those juices and what gets released when we do what. Okay, so we create experiences for ourselves. You know, we get caught in the rain. We go to a party, take a girl out on a date. We go meet uh, the long-lost friend you haven't seen in 20 years. So we create these experiences. There's an emotional content to the memory of that experience. And that memory is stored in the amygdala, okay? The amygdala doesn't know what between what happened yesterday and 10 years ago. Mm -hmm. So the amygdala stores the memory. Then the hippocampus is the part that analyzes the memory and sends a message to the neocortex mm -hmm. and says, what should I do? Should I punch him in the mouth or should I just like walk away and ignore him, mm -hmm. okay? So the hippocampus then makes that decision and then that sends the message to the hypothalamus. And then the hypothalamus says, run, run. <laughs> or it says, you know what? Pick up that rolled up newspaper, smack him in the face. <laughs> so the hypothalamus carries out the decision that the hippocampus made based upon the emotional content in the amygdala. And the frontal lobe decides what you, what you want to do. Well, the neocortex is the frontal lobe. Yeah, if you're, I mean, yeah, the neocortex, if you're, if you're aware enough. No, okay. So there's something called the amygdala hijack. Hmm. So let's say I had a previous beef with you, and then I see you, and then you start in on me about something completely different, but I'm still mad about the first thing. And you're like, hey, you're not paying attention. What are you going to do? And you, and you start verbally aggressive towards me. But my amygdala is still back at the first conflict. So now my amygdala is going to hijack my experience, and then I'm just going to, boom, punch you right in the mouth. Hmm. So we had a situation today. It was hysterical. I don't want to, I'm not going to repeat that situation. But we had a situation today where a student had been verbally taunted 
by a city worker. And it bothered him so much that he went and attacked a city worker and almost got himself arrested. That's an amygdala hijack. Okay. Does the same thing happen to us and how we relate? Like, it's not just in a circumstance where you're going to decide to fight someone or, 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 or anything. It's just also could be the way we respond to things. Right. So your mother could say, oh, uh, when are you going to get a haircut? And you just got your haircut yesterday. <laughs> or, your, or your girlfriend will say, oh, you're going to wear that shirt again? <laughs> and you're like, this is a new shirt. <laughs> I never wore this shirt before. <laughs> so now you're feeling some kind of way, and now you get to choose how to respond. Oh, uh, this is a new shirt you haven't seen before. Like, you don't pay attention to me. Don't you know this is a new shirt? So that's your choice to respond. That's when your uh, hippocampus goes to the frontal cortex and says, hmm, how should we respond to this? Mm -hmm. Should we come up with the smart-ass answer? Or should we go with, oh, I didn't know you were being rude answer. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so does that answer your question? It does. Frontal lobe is where you have the most of your power because it's the power of choice, I believe. It's the power of... It's analysis. It's an, well, it's analysis. So what, what part of the brain do we choose with? Okay. So you have the reptilian brain. That's a choice. Then we have the mammalian brain that says, should I, shouldn't I, should I, shouldn't I. And then we have the neocortex, which is the divine brain, or the Amun-Ra, or the, the, uh, the God within, and that says, choose the best path, the one that empowers everyone. This is where unconditional love is in the neocortex. Okay? So, so the mammalian brain is protection and defense of family and loved ones. The reptilian brain is, you are invading my territory. I am going to bite your head off. So you have three brains. So which one do you, you, you actually have control in all of them, okay? But the analysis is in the neocortex, okay? You call it frontal lobe, I call it neocortex. Where's the choice? You always have a choice in how to react. How do we build the awareness to make the best choices? Meditation. Mm -hmm. so Meditation is, is gives you uh, the awareness. So mindfulness, where does that come in? Okay. Mindfulness is a fancy word that means absolutely nothing because mindfulness requires training. And you can't just say, oh, mindfulness. Yeah, like fitness. Who knows what fitness is? Do you know what fitness is? And you're a fitness trainer. <laughs> I mean, I feel like you're trying to get me on the spot, so I'm never gonna answer. Yeah, yeah, I, I'm <laughs> so poking I'm wise. you. I'm, I'm poking the bear with a stick. That's, that's my <laughs> modus operandi. All right, so mindfulness training requires breathing plus posture plus visualization. 
So I went on, this, this is about a year ago, I typed in mindfulness and like 50,000 uh, uh, websites came up and most of them were medical doctors. Now, when did MDs become mindful? Because if they were, that would not be their profession. They'd be doing something different. Okay? So mindfulness is right speech, right actions, right livelihood, right concentration, right awareness, right meditation, okay? Right concentration and right vision, the ability to see. That's mindfulness. Whoa. There's a whole lot of parts to mindfulness. And you have to be trained in all eight parts if you, if you want to be mindful. I mean, my definition of mindfulness is, I say, stepping outside yourself and looking into yourself. That's insight. Well, that, yeah, that is insight. But it's also a, a sort of mindfulness because it's understanding what's Well, since there are you. eight parts, mm -hmm. any one of the eight parts could be claimed as a mindfulness. Of it. Right. So the reason why I brought that up is the idea that you can look upon your own self. They call it the, the super In, ego. Introspection. Ego. Introspection. Right. To look within. Mm-hmm. So how do we use that, that concept, or how do we be, and how do, can we stay in ourselves so that we can have that introspect, okay. so that we can know what's going on? All right, so first of all, you have to study. You can't just pull it out of the air, because mm -hmm. if you could pull it out of the air, you would already been there, right? So typically, your first teacher is your mother and your father, but if they don't know it, then where are you going to go? The priest, rabbi, imam? They don't know it, so that's not where you go. So where do you go, to yoga? Well, your yoga teacher doesn't really do meditation, so it's not yoga. So now where are you going to go, to Buddhism, Hindu Hinduism, Taoism? You have to go to somebody whose their whole premise, their whole uh, uh, platform is mindfulness. So that's Buddhism and Taoism. That's where you have to go. Now, martial arts is a part of Taoism. Medical training is a part of Taoism, okay? So, so you've got Shaolin martial arts, which includes Buddhist meditation and medicine, a form of healing from injuries. So what, I don't want to go to nobody. I want to be mindful with me. How do I do that? You can't. You need a teacher. You cannot do it on your own. The mind that makes you sick is not the mind that can make you well. You can't make yourself well with your own thoughts. You have to have a teacher. But the teacher doesn't teach you what to think. The teacher teacher teaches you how to think. But you have to do the thinking yourself. Yes, but once you have a framework, then you can get there. So the last question I have before I ask you what's your final thoughts is, when you look at the millennial generation today, what do you see that we can start to apply within our lives so that we can be well and stay well. The thing I like most about the millennial generation is their hopefulness and the fact that they are intellectually curious. Now, granted, a lot of them think they know everything, but 
a lot of them also realize that they don't know very much and they are seeking answers and they're seeking guidance and they're smart enough to look for elders who can give them the missing links because the media is designed to confuse you and not really give you information okay so you can't make sense out of nonsense and if you're a millennial trying to figure things out and you realize no, I can't figure things out I need a teacher now the teacher doesn't actually teach you the teacher points you in the right direction so when I say teacher I mean a guide I don't mean somebody who actually sits there and says five times five five times six that's not what I mean by teacher so I can take you to the door of the temple but you got to open the door and walk in the temple. I can take you scuba diving. I can take you and give you the tank and the mask and the snorkel, but your butt's got to go in the water. <laughs> I can take you skydiving. I can take you up in the plane and put the parachute on, but you got to jump out the airplane. <laughs> so that's what I mean by teacher. Okay? So a mind is like a parachute. It only works when it's open. So what would be your final message? Love yourself so you can love others. I like that. Thank you for sharing that, Dr. Lowe. Thank you. Love yourself so you can love others. From the one and only Dr. Love. Thank you for tuning in to the Unlimited Power Show. My name is Edward Giles, and I want to remind you that you have the unlimited power in you to achieve whatever it is that you want. But first, you have to believe it before the world can receive it. And until you do that, the world will forever miss all your talents, all your gifts, and all the great things that you have to offer. So remember, let your light shine. Don't hide it. Don't dim it.